Warning. By listening to the conversations on this podcast, you will begin to live the intrepid way. Life is short and moving fast. Only we can show you how to fully integrate a new business mindset coupled with a lifestyle design that will equip you with a new approach to overcoming and in fact thriving on the daily grind of life. And now, here is your host, Todd Schnick. Good morning and welcome back to the Intrepid Way podcast. I am your host, Todd Schnick. So if you have been listening to this show, gosh, probably for the last decade now, we've often on talked about this idea of employee engagement. We're going to dive into that today. I have a guest who has a recent book out that specializes on this topic. It's going to be a critically important conversation. Despite the fact that there's a lot of discussion of this issue, it still is a very, very prevalent problem in the business world. So a very important and very timely conversation. Let's welcome our guest. His name is Tim Eisenhower. He is the author of a new book called Who the Hell Wants to Work for You? Mastering Employee Engagement. He's also the president and co-founder of Xero Solutions. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, Todd. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure is mine, Tim. Pleasure I to pre- be on the show. Yeah, no, I'm glad to finally have you. We've been trying to get this conversation scheduled for a while, and life has intervened. So really, really glad that we finally got together and very much looking forward to the conversation. So we're here principally to talk about this new book, which focuses on employee engagement. Before we do that, Tim, if you take a quick second, tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're out there doing with Xero. Ah, good idea. So I started a company with my business partner, Xero Solutions. We are a software technology company, and we make a product called Communifier. And it is an intranet and digital workplace solution that brings all your people with inside your company together in one place so they can access the information, documents, files, people that they need to do their jobs successfully. So I guess it means that there's a lot of organizations that don't have a solution like that and are suffering. So we'll probably get into that over the course of this conversation. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that appreciate the important. It's a very high level. Oh, yeah. No, I have no. I could I'm, go a little deeper into that. Yeah, no, I, I have a feeling our conversation is going to give you plenty of chance to kind of go deeper on some of the, uh, the work that you're actually doing. The book, however, again, called Who the Hell Wants to Work for You. Uh, I suspect if you go to Amazon and you type in in the subject bar employee engagement, there are probably hundreds, if not thousands of titles that dive into that subject. Why did the world need Tim's book on employee engagement? I think a lot of those books are written from from a perspective of more like a command and control Mm -hmm. outlook on things, which... In the past, it was very popular, but now with all the advances in technology that we've had over the 10 years and the more focus is going on people, being able to relate with your fellow humans is found to be a pretty important topic (laughs) for engaging your people, for productivity, for getting work done, for profitability. The reason I wrote the book is I was looking to market my company, and this engagement topic is closely related to our software. And like any internet marketer would do, I started researching some topics and 
employee engagement kept coming up. So I did a little bit of, a little bit more research in it. And I started to find that the problems that everyone was talking about that are related to this topic were also my problems. They're the same things that I was having challenges with um, running my business. And you know, after spending all these, you know, looking back, I was a job hopper. So I would go from job to job to job. And, you know, 10 years later, I would, I would look back at that and realize, oh, you know, I could tie a lot of the things that my managers and the people I work for, I could tie it back to this engagement stuff in a positive and a negative way. Well, it's a great comment, this idea of, because here's my biggest problem with employee engagement. It's one of those topics, it's one of those subjects, one of those discussions, one of those debates that we have about business. That if you line up 20 people and say, define employee engagement, you're going to get 20 different definitions, which is part of the problem, but also therein lies an opportunity because it is a big thing, right? I mean, so I guess where I want to go next is, is how do you define that? I mean, how should our audience listen to this conversation and ultimately perusing this book? I mean, what, what is the Tim Eisenhower definition of employee engagement? Well, you're right. There are hundreds, hundreds, probably hundreds of definitions. To me, employee engagement is, is, is getting people to work for you as though they were working for themselves, doing something that matters to them and brings them joy. So if I, so the book is for managers, business owners, anyone that manages people. If I, as a manager, have complete trust in my employees, if I trust their intentions, their abilities, judgment, I've done a pretty good job of engaging them. So, because uh, you made a comment earlier, said it's about relating to your fellow humans. And, and although a human being is, by our design and nature, a social animal, at the workplace, we generally really suck <laughs> relating to our yeah. colleagues. And, <laughs> and, and I don't know why that is. I mean, can you, can you shed light on, on the problem of how we've gotten into this problem in the first place? I mean, how did we get here? Why did you need to write this book because of this prevalent problem? Why are we so bad at relating to our fellow humans in the workplace? I mean, what, what's happening? What's the dynamic that's, that's driving that, that result? Yeah, I think the problem starts when, when companies place too much of a burden on the employees for empowering themselves. So this engagement starts or it happens when employees quit mentally or lose interest. If you look at it, people really don't, they don't really work just to survive anymore. And when you're putting too much of a burden on employees to empower themselves rather than the company, your managers, empowering them to do things, to show and build trust, people are going to start doing things the way they want to do them. They, they empower themselves. When you empower yourself, you benefit yourself. Um, when you empower others, that's when the real magic starts to happen because we benefit the business and we benefit the cause of what your business is doing. Well, and cause is a key word here because, you know, you mentioned this idea of, uh, or that you were a job hopper. And if you read most of the literature that talks about millennials, you know, the, the negative on them, oh, they're just such job hoppers. Well, the problem is the reason they're doing that is because they're not engaged. 
at their workplace. They, they want a cause to fight for and get motivated and wake up in the morning and go to work to battle and fight for this important cause to them or something that's at least meaningful that drives them and motivates them. They're, they're not punching the clock and shuffling papers and, and counting the minutes to five to go home. I mean, they, they want to be somewhere where they feel like they're contributing to a, a something bigger than themselves. And, and if you're reading between the lines here, what we're really talking about, Tim, right, is we're trying to have a, our employees engage, and that's part of how you do this, yeah? Yeah, I think that kind of starts getting into the whole culture aspect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which which is a very important part of, of, of the entire engagement topic. You know, before we get to culture, that is the third part of of the book. The first part is empowering the individual. Then we talk about the relationship between the individ- individual and the manager. And then we get into culture. So I guess if you look at it, you know, if everyone in the company works hard and helps each other and focuses on the customer, asks questions, solves problems, listens, engagement wouldn't really be a problem. Culture is what we do when no one's looking over over their shoulder mm-hmm. or over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So when the culture supports the business and strengthens these relationships, people kind of become engaged by default. But how do you get to that? Yeah. How do you get to that point? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, a, it's tricky because a lot of companies like to put up these fake cultures, these make-believe cultures. Um, you can see these on a lot of websites, smiling faces, handshakes, words like quality and excellence and commitment and that's all great but when people come in your business even millennials and anybody when people come in like what do they see is the management approachable or do they sit in their offices and lock their doors are people working together or are people siloed off in their own little cubicles a lot of these companies have not just one culture but two the real culture and the fake one. So the fake one doesn't engage anybody. It, it does the opposite. Um, it tells people that everything is fine as it is. So as with millennials, I think as with anybody, I mean, we put these millennials in this box and we call them this fancy name, but they're still people. Yes, they might react a little bit different to things, but if management is serious about engaging people, it needs to connect with the real culture. What's really going on? What's really happening? What's it like to work here? They need to be asking these questions. What do my employees think of their jobs? What do they think of each other? So when you stop and you get rid of this fake culture, you stop pretending and signal to others that it's safe to express their thoughts, their feelings, their, you know, their ideas, that's when engagement starts. And that's just, that's just the beginning right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Culture isn't motivational posters and foosball tables and free snacks. <laughs> it's, it's quite a bit more than that. All right. So Tim and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international bestselling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. 
Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeetler.com. All right, I am back with Tim Eisenhower, the author of a recent book called Who the Hell Wants to Work for You? Mastering Employee Engagement. All right, so we talked kind of at a high level, Tim, at the top half of the show, kind of what employee engagement is and, and why you want to start striving towards that. I guess I want to break it up. Uh, uh, we hinted that you can really look at this, and this is largely how the book's organized, from the individual to building that relationship to the culture. And we uh, touched on culture a bit at the end of the last segment. But the individual, I mean, part of this is a team, right? And it's it's building this cohesive unit that, and, and working in an environment that's safe where you can be free to communicate but an individual has to make this work, right? So talk about why the individual matters when you're talking about a team culture. Sure. So when I talk about individual, I mean the personalities in the business. Because way back, you know, actually it's in the beginning of the book. So we talk about the problem dilemma, which I think we just recently talked about a little bit. We get into hiring. We get into, once you hire them, what, what, what do you do? You know, do you put them in a corner and make them fill out mindless paperwork or do you put them to work? I think before I go any further, like when, when we look at this engagement, this is creating relationships. And when you want to improve relationships, even with your friends, family, do you look at them first or do you look at yourself first? Personally, I think it's best to look at yourself. Well, explain um, why, why you would do that. Well, because you can't really fix anyone's problems until you know what those problems are. And I think if you're going to engage people, you need to figure out how to engage yourself first. Well, what do you say to an individual who's, let's say, he or she's working at an organization and they may not necessarily be able to define it, but they know it, that they're not engaged or there's not a culture of engagement in the organization. And what do they do? So one is, all right, well, I'm going to quit, <laughs> job hop to another place and hope I find it there. And that may be ultimately what you have to do. But, but is there any, are there any strategies? So if I'm an individual and I'm not engaged, and I'm not feeling like I'm in a, in a culture that, that's conducive to my enabling my best work. I mean, any, any advice to that individual on what he or she can do to, be, to on their own, through their own initiative to begin to, to take steps towards that? I mean, is there anything they can do? Well, I think that's where the problem starts. This is the engagement topic. Isn't the individual employee problem. This is a management problem. This is a leadership problem. So if you do things right, if you hire the right people, if you hire based on traits and behaviors, um, if you know what those are in your line of work, you're going to have people that aren't, disengaged management needs to create this engagement from the beginning following all these these principles from inside the book you know if employees engage hiring engaging from day one 
Well, so where I want to go, so it just made me think of something there, Tim. So this idea of, so I'm thinking more about this relationship. So, so give now counsel to management. So you've said relationships, building relationships are important. I don't think a manager can say, all right, staff, go build relationships now. Let's have a meeting and do it. Go. You can't do it that way. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to foster an environment where you feel comfortable building relationships. I mean, there's, you know, people like Tom Peters will talk for hours about cross-functional uh, strategies and, and having people, different people with different expertises and different responsibilities interacting so that you better understand how the, the, the whole the whole body works. I mean, is that part of what this? I mean, so talk more about how you facilitate the, the building of relationships, because I agree. I mean, if you're trying to build more humanity into your into your culture, into your organization, I mean, relationships are everything. Well, you could uh, you could introduce them. Something we do at, that, at my company is whenever we have new people coming on board, we we're 100 percent remote company, by the way. So we don't have an office. We don't see each other. We don't meet face to face aside from, you know, the occasional times we do randomly throughout the year for certain things. But we introduce everyone. Like imagine that introducing people to other people that they're going to be working with to other people throughout the company and different departments that can help them do certain projects or other people have certain expertise. You know, we, we make it a point to get everyone together and introduce. We say some good things about people and then, you know, we connect them and we make sure that they know to go to each other when they need help. Okay. So there's, there's an obvious strategy of, encouraging interaction amongst the team and, and so you have this team in place yeah let's take steps to encourage interaction and communication we're going to talk about communication separately in a minute but sounds like from other things you've said that part of this process are things that i think most organizations look at as burdensome hr tasks and hiring and onboarding and retention those are just things oh well we're hr so we have to do those things and and they they seem to minimize the, the the extreme importance of those activities when those are essential elements towards what we're talking about here, right? I mean, hiring is policy. I think someone said, uh, yeah, let's talk more about those three elements and the integral role that they play in all of this. Yeah, I think this engagement topic gets put onto HR a lot. Um, I don't think this is an HR problem. HR is there to support management, the leadership, the top brass. If the leadership isn't on board for engagement, if they're not, you know, if they're not on top of this topic, if they don't know that this exists or that this is important, then how are they going to task this to someone else? Right. Why would those people feel that, why would HR feel it's important if the top management can't get on board? So although HR is a close supporter and a very good uh, ally in, in introducing people and, and making sure that a human aspect is inside the business, I keep going back to, you know, this all has to start at the top. These have to be principles and priorities built into the DNA of your company from day one. These need to become the default principles on how people do their jobs. You can't just force engagement onto people, no matter how you want to do it. I mean, you have to get people to feel, feel trust. You have to build trust. And how do you do that? Well, you have to give it to get it. 
once you're giving this trust and you're letting people know it's okay to be safe and share your ideas and work with other people, then HR can come in and put initiatives in place to help make these different things happen through policies or priorities, practices built into the business. Yeah, that all, that, that all makes sense. And, and uh, yeah, it sounds like HR shouldn't be burdened with the responsibility of forcing engagement. It, it does have to come from the top. So any advice to management, to executives? I mean, I guess another way to phrase the question is, what are the, what are the, what are the very key things that they're doing wrong? And what are a couple of key things they can do immediately to start turning the, this around and, and building this thing the right way? They could walk the talk. Mm. Uh, they could do what they're, they could, you know, do what you say you're going to do and not just talk about it, but back it up with action. You could take the blame and pass the credit to other people. You could own your own shit first. <laughs> and again, this is all about looking back on yourself as a, as a leader, as a manager. As someone who manages employees, looking back at yourself is, is the number one thing. Like, okay, how about this? Let's do a little exercise here. Imagine that your employees are 100% engaged. They come to work ready to go. They're enthusiastic. They get work done. They make you happy. Now that you have these fully engaged people, where do you start? Like the only place to start is to kind of look in the mirror, turn it back on yourself and figure out where you're holding them back. I don't know if a lot of people can answer that question. It's a really hard question to answer, but it's all about finding blind spots. Yeah. Um, we all, we all have blind spots. Even companies have blind spots. Figuring out what these blind spots are, what you're not doing or what, you know, how are you holding them back? Figuring these things out, those are the things to fix. And how do you figure those things out? Well, imagine that. We go back to the old communication aspect. Why don't you ask your employees? Uh, ask them how you can improve. Be honest with them. Be upfront. Tell them you're having this challenge. See if they can help. You know, th that's engagement right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, a boss saying, oh, it was my fault. I mean, how many executives, how many bosses, how many managers are so afraid of admitting fault and so they don't and they think that's a sign of weakness when actually, in my opinion, and I suspect yours, it's a very much a sign of strength. And you talked about building trust. Well, how the hell do you do it by saying, yeah, that wasn't the right idea, but let's try something else. I interviewed a guy once. He said the most important phrase any boss can say is, I don't know. What do you think? And if just, yeah, right. just asking that question, I mean, the key behind that statement, obviously, is the communication side. I'm, I'm a believer that 99.9% .9 of the Earth's problems, mm -hmm. from geopolitical yeah. to international diplomatic failures to problems with relationships and bosses and wives and spouses and girlfriend, boyfriends, is, is poor communication. It is, it is the crux of most of our, of our failures in any realm of our existence. And so... Talk about communication. That's obviously a key part. Open, free-flowing, not going to get in trouble if you communicate something on your mind type communication is the key here, right? I mean, 
it's easy it's easy to read that it's easy to put out a memo saying all right team improve your communication but talk about that more because that that to me that's the nuts and bolts of of this whole thing is if you have an organization where you are are, are empowered to communicate without fear of retribution or otherwise I mean, that that's the key here yes I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I love that phrase. And there's, it's, it's interesting that you said that because we recently made a shift with our business. And it's probably, it's not recently, it's probably more like a year, year and a half ago. So that phrase, so imagine employees coming to you as a manager, asking you questions, and you have an answer for them all the time. They're just going to rely on you. Anytime they don't know how to do something, they're just going to come to you. Hey, Mr. Boss, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me here? And, and the boss has the answer. Sometimes the boss even does the work. Right. Um, so we, we made that shift in our business. We started doing that with our employees. And now they come to us not to get the answers, but to make sure they're on the right track, to make sure that, you know, if they get stuck or, if they just need an extra set of eyeballs on something. So we're empowering them to make decisions. We trust them to make these decisions. We let them know that we trust your judgment on the project you're working on, or if a customer is complaining about something that the feature didn't work right, or there's a bug, you know, we trust our people to do the right thing, to making sure that, that they know that they can, they can make, make a judgment. That's building trust. That's building engagement. Even going a little bit further into this communication aspect, I think to communicate, you need to listen. Mm, yeah. And a lot of people have a, have a really hard time just to shut up and listen. So understanding someone else is, is communication, finding a common ground. And to do that, you need to listen. Yeah. We're big proponents of um, active listening. I think there's other names for it now these days, but active listening, it, kind of when someone shares something with you, instead of giving them an answer or you know, putting your advice back on top of them, you could say something like, well, it seems like, it seems like, and then kind of reiterate a little bit about what they said. And this is a way you can listen better. It seems like reiterate a little bit of what they said and then just shut up and let them talk. And you can keep doing this throughout a whole conversation. And while you're listening, they're sharing their story. They're sharing their challenges, their problems, their solutions. And they're seeing you listen. They're reacting. That, again, is building trust. So listening. Listen as you speak. You know, we can even further with the communication. I mean, there's probably three different types in a business. There's company to employee. And a lot of this, these streams of communication, when you can influence these, you know, it becomes very important for your business mm -hmm. in, in engagement and productivity. So three st streams of, of uh, communication, company to employees, employees to company, and employees to employees. Part of this, you know, is all face-to-face -face or, you know, top-down communication. All of this communication is what our software does, in fact. It allows these three streams of communication, 
company to get announcements and news and topics out to employees. But here's where it, where we change a little bit. You know, no longer is it just top down, like dumping all this corporate propaganda speak on employees. Now we allow employees to speak back. They can comment, they can ask questions and then management can come in and leadership can come in and help answer those questions. And when people see this kind of communication happening, whether it's on an app or, you know, on, on your internet website, they start to listen. Um, they, then that kind of influences the next one, which is the employees to employees. When you can open it up and make sure that employees are able to reach out to people they need to do their jobs or people that have the expertise to help them do their jobs, that's when you start creating this connected workplace. That's when you get people talking with other departments and interconnected companies that are not just these siloed work, you know, siloed offices all over the place or different departments. It works as one unit. Gosh, so much there that I want to think about and, and talk about. I mean, I love what you said that a significant part of communication is listening. I think most people think the job of communicating is spewing and vomiting words. When, And that's a, some of the best advice I ever got from my father. I would say, I would go to him and say, I'm having a problem at work. And he would help me identify who I need to talk to. And he would say, well, you could say something like this. And then when you're done, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Let yeah. him respond. The problem is you, you're tense in that situation, so you you think you have to just keep talking and you never let the person actually re get, engage with you in a dialogue, and then you just keep keep digging your hole deeper. So that's so critical, and, and uh, gosh, great stuff. How do you, you, you sort of answered, I've had a lot of conversations over the years, broadcast at a lot of HR tech trade shows, and there's, all there's a there's all this and it's part of the work that you do too this technology this software and, and there are some people that say well how can technology and software uh, support and push humanity <laughs> it doesn't seem to make sense but i'm beginning to understand how it can support that i mean it's just it's it's providing an infrastructure and I'm asking, I'll ask you to comment on this, but it seems like it's providing this software, this this te this technology solution is providing an infrastructure to enable the humanity to come out, right? It's giving you a bridge to walk on, right? Of course it does. It, it opens up, it brings the world closer. And that could be good in some ways and bad in others. I'm not a huge proponent of social media. Turn that and put it inside of a business and then you might see a little bit more value it seems like there's social media out there and technology for that is just, everyone just seems to be bickering or complaining about no, something. No, why, no it, which, it, it doesn't work for the same reason that you just said, uh, and we talked about it, is social media is still largely one way, right? There's no, you're not listening. Right. <laughs> you're, mm -hmm. you're not. Yeah, you're, everyone's it, talking. It's designed yeah, to be yeah. an interaction, uh, but most people don't use it that way. Therein lies the problem, uh, if I had to guess. Um the, I guess where we can close is, is this. So you, someone can listen to this conversation. They could read your book and they say, all right, it's time for us to implement this notion of how to do business and how to begin to relate with the humans uh, in our organization. And they decide to do it and they begin the process. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can start it overnight. 
But I guess the question for you is, how do you how do you sustain this? Because I mean, it's the typical problem. Someone listens to a speech or goes to a conference and they come home all motivated and they get all excited and they start doing some things within a week, they're back to the same old routines. You know, that's a common tale. It's one thing to bring and build this kind of environment, this culture that we've been talking about into your organization, but how do you, how do you build it and how do you maintain it? How do you sustain it? I think we touched upon that a little bit before. I mean, these practices, these priorities, these principles, um, in the book, there's 23 of them. These have to become part of your company yeah. and it goes to leadership. Leadership has to make these, they have to build them into their company. Now you can start with one of them and see dramatic changes, like you said, overnight, but that's only a start. You know, you have to keep going. If you're going to make this an initiative, don't just talk about it, take action, make it happen. Make sure if you're if you're the top brass or if you're a manager, this is this is something that your company is doing. The higher ups need to be on board first, but second, you need to keep going. You can't just stop with one of the principles. You have to keep going. And a lot of these principles, you know, some of them. I think how I can say that some of these. Um, I was kind of thinking as I was asking the question, I began to answer it in my own mind. Is it fair to say that if you truly live in an organization that, that follows this model that you're talking about and you have open communication and, you're, and all the things we've talked about, it almost kind of becomes self-sustaining, right? Because this is how, this is the, the magic. And then you can't imagine being existing in an organization any other way, right? Yeah, I think so. These are not just, I mean, they're principles you build into your company, but they're also principles that become a part of your daily life. I mean, not just at work, but anywhere, oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, and, you know, some of these are super obvious too. Like, for example, say thank you. Yeah. You know, you can't really argue with that. But how many managers remember to show gratitude when they're under pressure? That you know you're in the last week of that project. Are you really walking around saying thank you to people? Are you making them feel special? Probably not. But many of these other principles, like transparency, uh, are more controversial. You know, what does it mean to be transparent? How much is enough? How much is too much? So you might think when you you know you look at these principles okay i get it i've heard these before but i you know i we always keep going back to this they they these ideas are useless completely useless until they're in your company your company's dna and everyone is practicing practicing them by by default you know you i can tell you that to to win in basketball you have to shoot the basket or shoot the ball through the hoop but you're not going to be a good player until you've you've learned those blind spots that we've we've talked before talked about before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and overcome these these bad habits. People have bad habits. Companies have bad habits, and that's why we're not engaged at work. You might have heard of like gratitude, but you might not realize that it is your blind spot. So, once you find these blind spots then you have a new way to frame your problem uh, and a new way to solve it. 
Yeah. I love the discussion around gratitude. I mean, I think there's far too many people in management who say, well, wait a minute, I have a job. They're getting a paycheck. They should know that we're grateful. Well, they don't. <laughs> they really don't. And saying yeah, so and yeah. demonstrating and employees that, don't owe it to you either. Yeah. Employees don't owe you it to you. You know, they go to work, they do a job, they get paid. They don't owe you engagements. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, they want it. The leadership. I think they do. You know, I think people, especially when they start their job, they have this, this new hire enthusiasm. They want to do a good job. They want to, they want to be successful. You know, they don't want to go back and tell their family, oh, I hate my job. You know, they, they want to be engaged. So, well, you know, providing that opportunity for them to do so and empowering them, showing them trust, I, you know, I think you're on the right track. Yeah. Yep, yep. Gosh. Well, we need another couple of hours to really dive into a lot of the stuff. Unfortunately, we are about out of time. Tim, before I let you go, uh, should anyone need to contact you to discuss some of these ideas face-to-face? -face, uh, how do they do that if they want to learn more about Xero? How do they learn about th that organization? And then most importantly, where do they get a copy of the book? Who the hell wants to work for you? My company is online. Our website is axerosolutions.com. That's A-X-E-R-O, solutions.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I don't use it that much, but um, that's, that's where I'm at personally. At Tim Eisenhower. And then the book uh, and the audio book, which I recently completed, um, those are on Amazon. They're Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere you can get books. That's where you can find it. All right. Tim Eisenhower, the author of Who the Hell Wants to Work for You? Mastering Employee Engagement. Tim, a great pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks again for making time and joining us. Thanks, Todd. I really do appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you so much. This has been a very good experience. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show again. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Tim Eisenhower, I am Todd Nick. We'll see you again soon on the Intrepid Way podcast. Thank you for paying attention to today's conversation. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and most podcast apps by searching for The Intrepid Way. And to support our work, we would certainly appreciate a rating and review. To learn more, check out toddschnick.com. That's T-O-D-D-S-C-H-N-I-C-K.com. We'll see you next time.